Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Hello, Robbie. Well, hello, sir. And our and special guest host, yes. Eric Cow. Yes. Eric, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Uh, like I told you when I got on, I was like, it's my dream come true and I can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't leave because we got to do the whole episode recap. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts. And, and I expect that you will know this episode even better than Garrett or I. You can correct us on all the things we uh, can't remember or we get wrong. So basically, Eric, you are the ship's computer. So we'll yes. just ask you, we'll say computer, and we'll say something, and we'll ask a question, <laughs> and you can just answer. Yes. Um, I just want to say, first of all, that this is the very first time that we've had another host join us. And Eric is the uh, winning bid on the Star Trek Voyager documentary. What would you call it? The different, uh, were they prizes? It's what, like Kickstarter. They? Yeah, like um, Kickstarter benefits. So, benefits, yes, there you go. Exactly. So Eric was the winning bidder on the Kickstarter for the Voyager documentary, and hence he is our co-host for the Delta Flyers. And I just want to say, you spell your name K-A-U. This is the second time I, I've I've met somebody with that last name. Um, the first time is the actor, Archie Kao. Now he pronounces his name, he spells it K-A-O. You spell it K-A-U. Now he pronounces it the very, very westernized and non-Chinese way. He says K-O. <laughs> so really? Said, yes. Do you think it was westernized though? Is that what, I mean, it happens all the time in the, you know, in the U.S. and or with, I guess, you know, immigrants immigration generally like names get changed i'll tell you what it is he was yeah. raised by a chinese mother his father his birth father is chinese as well but that divorce happened fairly early so he yeah. was raised by a caucasian stepfather oh, I so see. his pronunciation his mandarin chinese is horrible <laughs> um he he, he 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 would call me you're my and and eric you'll know this in chinese uh, big brother is da ge okay so instead of da ge he would say hey da go which is big dog instead of big brother right <laughs> so he can't he can't he, so clearly in his own pronunciation of his own name he's archie ko ko and which is like no 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 and if you recall he was one of the tech guys on csi the Asian guy on CSI uh -huh. in the early seasons and he's done quite a few things now so but the good thing eric you are a speaker of mandarin chinese i can add a little wrinkle to that cow uh yeah. ko thing yeah actually uh my father is one of uh six brothers who immigrated here from taiwan i think we oh. have very similar cultural heritage but yeah five brothers spell a k-a-o and say k-o and i'm the only really? one. My, my father was the only one so he was the first to come to this country so i think the other brothers saw that and they're like i don't think that's the way to translate it and then uh, I'm left with KAU. So oh my that, God. that adds crazy. to the wrinkle that you were discussing. Yeah, that so. that there does you add go. a wrinkle. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Huh. That's funny. Maybe that, I wonder that if... sounds like a common adaptation that, that people made. And wow. Eric, I'm wondering, is, is one of your uncles actually Archie's dad? Is that possible? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Who know? I don't think so, but okay, no. it, we're probably okay. related. <laughs> All right. I think you and I are probably related. <laughs> yeah, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Now, just to say um, the correct way to say it in Mandarin Chinese is not even a K sound. It's a G sound. It's Gal. Gal is how you say the last name instead of Cal. Really? Yes, that wow. is the Gal. correct pronunciation. Gal. Gal. I hope we never made that mistake as a Starfleet vessel traveling in the Delta Quadrant. I hope we did not 
misrecord the names of some of the alien species we encountered. I hope yes. we, you know. I hope we, we phonetically what if we pronounce did? them correctly. What if, what if somewhere along the way, our, so, our universal translator got it wrong hey. and we were calling the Zindi the, the wrong name or something? Right. Would, let's let's bring up something that was in our what show. What if they let's were the, the Hero, <laughs> Let's say the Herogen. You just brought up Enterprise aliens. So let's, how about oh, yeah, Herogen? Well, if the Herogen were actually the Harogen and we call them Herogen, what the heck, right? Yeah. Got to be fair. We got to be here. That's, That's the right. hunter species that we come across later, which you probably don't remember at all, Robbie, right? Yeah. So what if it was the Kufons <laughs> or the Coupons and we call them the Kazons, but they're really the Coupons or something. They're the like, Coupons? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just feel uh, like we should go back and yeah. make sure we did this correctly. Are phonetically correct? All right. That would have been an interesting story, though. Speaking of Star Trek and yes. this, you know, how we sort of take these sci-fi stories and and deal with real life things that would yeah. have been interesting to deal with sort of the you know anglicization 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 is it or cization anglicization I, let's go with that let's go with that but you know what i'm saying like the, yeah the adaptation or misinterpretation of sure. language and and things like that would, mm -hmm. would have been an interesting star trek episode to see definitely as starfleet kind of dealt with something how that yeah misnaming or changing uh, you know to fit whatever's easy for us yeah might have had an impact on uh, species that we encountered that would have yeah. been an interesting story and also the universal translator is a piece of technology and technology can be faulty it could have yeah. malfunctioned in translating somebody's name right yeah. and kazon maybe were the were the saison, coupons or the, the saison. coupons yeah i like the coupons you like coupons? Yeah, yeah. we should have we should have met somebody called the, the coupon Ogla and the coupon. <laughs> I did bring up Zindi, the Enterprise aliens, but I was I was just I don't know why I would do that. I couldn't think of a single alien species that we encountered in seven years. Wow! I was, I was I, my computer fritzed in my brain, and that was the first alien that came to mind. So Zindi. that's what oh, you get. You know what? It also makes, Robbie. It makes sense because yes. you directed Enterprise, and directing yes. Enterprise, you're kind of familiar with. The Zindi, right? Yes. yes. That's what I'm, uh, all right. So I'll go to bed. And on, you, and right? on Resident Alien, we we talk about the Greys a lot. So oh, yeah, which are okay. real aliens, by the way. The Greys. They are. They are actual aliens. <laughs> Back to our our all show. Right. All, all right. right, Eric. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, go watch this. What episode are we watching this weekend? We are watching Mortal Coil. Oh, Mortal Coil. All right, let's go watch this. Take your notes, Eric. Yes, ma'am. We're going to need you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah, he just yes, ma'am. Nice. There you go. See, he's already with the team. Yes, we enjoy Yes, we love your enthusiasm, Eric. Thank you so much for being here. All right. As Eric, Robbie, and I go watch this, everyone go take a break, and uh, we will be right back. Hello, everyone. We are back from watching Mortal Coil. Yes, we are. Wow. <laughs> I just gotta say, yeah, this was my favorite episode of our show that I have seen yet. What? Yes. Well, okay, elaborate. Like, hands down, this was my favorite one. I think the content, the story was emotionally engaging. I think our entire cast is involved in one way or another. I think Johnny Phillips, aka Ethan Phillips. Johnny's performance was one of the best on our show ever. Honestly, the highs and the lows that he hit, the 
I, I just, I, I thought this was, uh, 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 we can jump to, you know, scores on this, but I'm going to tell you right now, I give this a 10 out of 10. I, man. Yep. How much of your 10 out of 10 comes from the fact that Johnny is one of your favorite Voyager he is one of my favorite human beings, aside from well, I just that's, I just that's love my Johnny. point. I, I feel like it's a little maybe, bit, maybe I, I do. I really? do. I would never give this a 10 out of 10. 10 out of I 10. I wouldn't even give this a nine out of 10. Whoa. I would say it's a good episode, but I'm not going to it's wow. a thought-provoking episode, but I'm not gonna go where you're going. I go wow. 10 out of 10 because that's of amazing. all of that. I say Alan Craker directed, mm. I think one of his best episodes visually. Okay. He's yep. got staging that keeps the camera moving and tells the story unfolds. He, mm-hmm. it, it, I thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, Marvin Rush did a beautiful job of lensing the show. Billy Pete's lighting. I could, we can talk about the lighting of this episode and yeah. the forest and all of these spots, the vision quest he goes on and how that was mm-hmm. conceived and executed. Like there was not a clunker moment in this episode. And I feel like Almost every episode we do has some clunkers, but I'm just like, that's okay. I'm still into it. Some episodes have more than one clunker. This one had zero clunkers. Not one department failed. How many stars are you going to give this out of 10? Zero to 10. Zero being absolute garbage. 10 being the best of all time. What will you give this episode, Eric? I was thinking about a seven and a half to eight. Whoa. I thought Ethan was 10. Definitely a 10. You know, you guys had the shoot with you guys featuring that episode this is Mm. definitely ethan's episode really impressed oh yeah 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 agreed okay okay all right i'm gonna give it a seven i'll give it a seven out of ten oh my god you guys i it's not that i don't love it's not even about (laughs) i don't love johnny (laughs) i mean we'll get into it we'll get into it the moments with seven of nine (laughs) were like phenomenal. Like I felt like I had more empathy for her character in this episode, even though she didn't have the most real estate. Like, it, okay. I, okay. I almost want to okay. ask, I almost okay. want to ask, did you die and come back to life while I, you were watching this? Like, I where, literally, where is this coming from? I will what, say what is, I literally what? cried in this, what? watching this episode. I'm a crier generally, if you hit certain like buttons for me. But when I've never seen you cry though, not on, not watching this show, not watching Voyager. I've never, I've gotten close. Like, Oh, that felt really emotional. This got me when, when the moment with Naomi needs you to go to sleep and he's got to decide whether to push this button or not. I was like, that hit me. I don't know. Wow. Okay. You, you see where I'm at on this. I, a, I see. No, I'm you're 10 you're, out of 10. You are, you are affected by this big yes. time. Okay. Well, let's jump right into it. Let's give our poetry synopsis. Let's start with the haiku as we always do. So here's my haiku for mortal coil. Neelix killed by bolt. Borg tech brings him back to life. Duty gives him hope. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. Okay. But as you can see, I am mm. so deeply invested in this episode you, at this point. You really are. I, uh, I'm, I'm okay. shocked. I know. All right. I don't even know what to say. Go ahead. I feel like my limerick won't do this episode justice because I'm not a professional poet. 
as we have on social uh, media. Let's, let's not even talk about that anymore. To, let's not bring that up. Okay. That, that, that's, I just that's, do that's, my best. I, I, you know what? We don't need to validate or yeah. justify anything any longer. We've okay. already addressed it once. We'll never speak about us not being professional poets okay. because I think we're doing a darn good job. We're rootin' tootin' good, okay? Thank so go. you. I like go. that. I am a rootin' tootin' poet. There you go. Okay, here we go with the limerick for Mortal Coil. Mm -hmm. Neelix died and then later was revived. His life in the great forest was deprived. He tries a bundle, beliefs been, begin to crumble. From friends, he learns why he survived. Mm. Okay, that's okay. You know, like I said, I'm a rootin' tootin' poet. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that is uh, that's a good limerick. It's and. I will say our limerick and haikus are not 10 out of 10 for this episode, like you've <laughs> given this, but they're still good. Let's see, because Eric has joined our poetry synopsis. What? Yes, he has. Eric has one? Oh. Eric. So let me qualify this. This is so out of my wheelhouse that I can't even tell you. So Welcome I've to the heard club. in the past yes. that you have relied or leaned on significant others to help you. <laughs> yes. So my mm. wife likes to write haiku, so she wrote a haiku. Ooh, Sweet. Nice. I had Sweet. a friend who is a big Star Trek Voyager, very excited. Her name is Liz Lockman. Yeah. She is a writer, and, and she has two high, uh, two limericks that I think you'll find enjoyable. So I love it. Oh, my mind. gosh. I love it. I, okay. I, yes. Just humor me, and I, I, okay. I'm not a good reader and all that stuff, too. No I'm worries. not professional. Eric, let's so, start with the haiku first. Okay. The haiku from my wife, Neelix died on quest, brought back to life in turmoil, saved by new meaning. Oh, that's I quite like poetic. That. I do like that. That's better than my haiku. Okay. And now you have two limericks from your friend? Two limericks, and I couldn't choose, so... Yeah, read, read them both. Let's, I, let's love, I love let's a limerick. Let's hear them. A death ray leaves Neelix quite shaken. Belief in his heaven is breaking. But seven of nine arrives just in time, and her nanoprobes get him back bacon. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Well, I, I, right. Anytime we can work getting baked into this uh, show... <laughs> I'm all about it. All right. All right. The second one is, when Neelix returns from the dead, it screws with his orange furry head. With help from the crew, he's reborn on you, and he helps put Naomi to bed. Oh, oh look at that. That is nice. These are short and sweet, simple, and, and to the uh, point. I love they're them. good. I love they're them. Good. They're really, really good. Thank they're really you. Good. Thank you, yes. Eric and team, mm -hmm. and significant other. Mm -hmm. for, and who's uh, who's the who's the person who came up with the limericks? What's your friend's name? The, uh, oh, Liz Lockman. She, Liz she, Lockman. Yeah. Yeah. Thank She's you, Liz Lockman. Nice, Liz. And what is uh, your wife's first name? Uh, Elise. Elise. E L I Z. Yeah. Okay, Elise. Elise, thank you for your haiku. It was better than mine. And the limericks were more to the point. <laughs> Garrett, we, we can never have any more guest poets because it just points out <laughs> well, you, you, you our rootin' tootin' skills. I don't know. I don't know. I, I almost feel like we should just bring in Eric and 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 have him recite his wife have, and Liz Lockman's uh Have a professional poet show to, up every week. We, well, we already have people right here. His wife and uh, Liz Lockman, okay. who's a professional yeah. You poet. guys so have made some really good limericks and haikus. Okay. Yeah, we've, don't tell yourself short. You've done <laughs> some you. extra job. Thank you, Eric. Yes, I, I have heard them. Okay. All righty. Okay, so this episode is directed by Alan Craker. Alan Craker, 10 out of 10. Yes, written by our good friend, Brian Fuller. So we have a Brian Fuller episode directed by Alan. And I, I agree, Alan did a great job directing this. Alan I did a great job. To... Brian did a great job on writing this story. I just want to mm -hmm. pause for a minute 
and talk about this story and what sure. I did a little research okay. after while I was getting my Starbucks. So this story was originally, I guess, pitched by, and I don't, I didn't write her name down, but some outside writer had pitched a story about an, I think an alien that we meet who's kind of obsessed with death and dying. And so keeps tricking the doctor. The original pitch on this was something like, this alien keeps tricking the doctor into killing him. And then Seven revived him or something. There was some other oh. pitch on this, but they mm. were like, this, I guess the network was like, we don't want to do a whole uh, obsessed with suicide fetish kind mm -hmm. of story. Mm -hmm. But they were like, this, there's something here. And then I think they pitched in the, the writer's room, some version of Chakotay dying and using his uh, indigenous traditions, the Akuna, mm -hmm. as sort of a way to, to investigate his own death experience. Right. But then there was some sensitivity to indigenous traditions. They felt like we don't want to, nah, that's probably not a story we want to tell either um, mm -hmm. because of sensitivity to Native American indigenous traditions, which I, I respect and applaud. And so then eventually they came around to this Neelix story of that's, that's how this story developed, which I thought was an interesting development. And, and I think Brian Fuller had actually written half of that original pitch idea. And uh, some, something I read, it was like Brandon called him on the weekend and said, stop writing. He had half the script written already. Mm -hmm. Like, stop writing. We're not going to do this alien obsessed with suicide stories. So I, mm -hmm. I just thought that was an interesting way that, you know, behind the scenes that these stories develop and what we end mm -hmm. up with sometimes uh, is very different than the original idea, which I just want to point out. Sometimes we end up with not the greatest episodes and they may have started as a great idea, but there yeah. is a process. There's network notes and studio notes and our own internal process uh, with the writers that will change and these stories mm -hmm. evolve. There's a convoluted path when it comes to the evolution of a story idea. Yeah. It goes up and down, sideways and forwards and backwards. And sometimes yeah. it turns out really great, sometimes not so great. Yeah. Here we go. But this was a 10 out of 10. I don't know if I mentioned that. This is 10 uh, out of 10. Yeah, I don't think you said that before. <laughs> really? 10 out of 10? That's pretty yeah. good. Okay. Now, I just want to, let's let's talk about, this is something we were going to talk about earlier. Let's talk about our shirts that we're wearing. For those of you who are listening, um, you're not seeing what's going on. So uh, we're going to talk, well, you know this one. Everyone knows this is our Chronoworks, Chronoworks shirt here. From our our newer one. Yes, from our two Porter. Uh, Robbie is wearing our Yes Ma'am shirt right there. And uh, Eric, what do you have on? Show us your shirt. You have a basically... Uh, that's a cool shirt. Yeah, so uh, describe to us what's going on with that shirt. So this is in uh, Titmouse, which is the animation studio that does Star Trek Lower Decks. Yep. They put out a t-shirt for each of the episodes. Okay. And knowing that I was going to be on this, this episode... I thought the only way I could honor you guys was to have the t-shirt from Walls Have Tom Paris, which was season two, episode three. Uh -huh. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have Tom on the shirt, but they have Dr. Tana, which is the other storyline that goes yep. through in that episode. And she's trying to look for a, a heirloom to scratch, the box to scratch. So yep. that's what yep. it is. But um, that's where my t-shirt comes from. Nice, nice. shirt. Yeah. I like mm. that. We do like that. Thank well, you they for you know, being part of the team here yeah. and, and wearing a shirt, you know, a themed shirt. We love it. Yeah. I might have to get my Delta Flyer sweatshirt on in a bit. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> this is the new Yes Ma'am shirt. Yes. Which is uh, obviously Tom Paris's uh, catchphrase. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, Garrett, in this episode, 
yes. uh, Mortal Coil, you have mm-hmm. a moment where I think you were doing a Tom Paris impersonation, <laughs> maybe <laughs> unconsciously, but your line reading will get to the scene. I was like, oh, I can't was wait. He, was he doing Tom Paris there? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's good. I'll, I'll I can't get to wait. It. You have it in your notes? You're not going to forget? I do have it in my notes. Okay, all right. Let's jump right into this analysis. Uh, We start off in in the mess hall. We see Harry. Yep. And Harry is, I guess, trying to get his operations report done on his pad-da-da-da. And Mm -hmm. Harry has some interaction with Neelix, who brings him some coffee. And I just have to say, I am not a coffee drinker because it tears my stomach apart. It just, I can't take any coffee. It's just the worst thing for my body did but they in pour this, you coffee did was it actual coffee that they would pour i think it I, was yeah i think it was and i Probably. had to pretend like it was so good and it was and i love how i don't have I a lot of you, lines in this no I, I think you looped this scene actually i feel like really? this scene was looped because i felt like um johnny was looped yeah and you were looped and it wasn't Possible. until we got up to the chakotay moment when uh robert came in beltran mm. Yeah. that it went to the real sound it felt it just felt weird the beginning of this to me yeah and my you know what i marked down uh, in my notes is that harry doesn't have a lot of lines he doesn't have a lot of lines in here but the lines he does have there's a lot of p's <laughs> in there as in potent stuff that potent stuff and uh that was the impersonation of that was the Tom. oh Paris. was that the one yes, when i said when, potent stuff when oh, yes when neelix walks by and you go Potent stuff. Oh, it was totally Tom Pear. Wow. Potent stuff. Go listen to yes. it. You get okay. the little upward inflection. I I have to check that out again. Yeah. Kind and of then breathy, later, kind of yeah, yeah, kind of breathy. And you know what? That makes sense because Harry hangs out with Tom so much that it's yeah, very friends, feasible. Friends, friends do talk take like on the other person. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, later in that dream sequence, uh, I have another P word. Um, where what did i say i can't even remember now it's not possible or something like that so possible comes up so i almost felt like were you I having tr- had... trouble with your p's in this episode no i was just saying that the p words are very prevalent in harry's lines in this episode so much to the fact that i almost felt like well harry should have said the pizza line with the p it should have been all p's all, for only harry. p lines for That's harry it. this episode that is it so we go on and after uh neelix speaks with harry for a little bit we now see chakotay and chakotay comes up to neelix to request his assistance in retrieving some protomatter from a nebula and neelix very eagerly agrees to join this quick mm-hmm. away mission and that is our opening scene for this episode of Mortal Coil. And we also see Seven come into back into the kitchen and she says she doesn't like this food. She didn't like the smell of it. It was pungent. Yeah, and he said that, um, you know, it's the Talaxian spices. It's supposed yes, to be. New, these nutritional, it was something funny that she said these mm-hmm. nutritional supplements are mm-hmm. pungent or something like that. Yeah, it was yep. funny. Yep. And he says something about Prixen. He says Thursday night is the first day of Prixen to mm-hmm. Seven. Mm-hmm. And he says, we celebrate it on Voyager every year. We celebrate the Talaxian holiday. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember us ever having an episode where we <laughs> celebrated Prixen. So, you know, maybe it happened off camera or something, but yeah. I did feel a little bit it's like- It's assumed. It's assumed. Okay. And there is a reference right. that Janeway makes a reference later saying, please 
don't make this one drink as powerful as it was last Prixen. It really messed with me or something, right? So mm -hmm. there is references to the fact that Prixen celebration has already happened, but clearly this is the very first time that we see anything about Prixen. Yeah, it seems like a big deal here. And I yeah. don't ever remember if we even referenced Prixen, mm -hmm. much less showed any celebration. So mm -hmm. sometimes that in, in these sort of episodic stories where they only write stories that are self-contained these kinds of serialized stories where we could build up to this moment by laying in the foundations of seeing Prixen in season two because that was one thing about this story that for me was a bit of a miss isn't the right word but I just feel like it could have been better is mm -hmm. the idea of the forest that Neelix it's so fundamentally important in this episode that mm -hmm. when he dies there is no forest that I wish that had been set up with his character in earlier episodes that he believes in this he's going to see his sister again in this forest right. I don't ever remember him mentioning this I don't ever remember us celebrating Prixen but in mm -hmm. this episode it's critical that those things be important you know what I mean yeah. so in a serialized show you you could have these things uh, building and building and building so they pay off anyway okay now we also see nancy Hauer, our one of we our do she calls and says hey yep. neelix come put put naomi to sleep she's she needs you to sleep yeah we hear so, her excuse me we don't see yeah. her right we hear her so uh samantha wildman uh, she asked neelix please come help put naomi Yep. to sleep. Naomi is played by Brooke Stevens in this episode, yes. but not in any episode after this. So Brooke Stevens, I looked her up on IMDb. She has two other credits, ER and one other show all around the same time. So clearly a this is a actor. child actor, a kid yep. actor who acted in a few things and was done. You know, um, we don't know whatever happened after that. Not sure. I tried to do some searches to see where she was. There's another Brooke Stevens in Georgia. Maybe that's her now. I don't Maybe. know. It's hard to tell. Um, but it's interesting to note that she was that, you know, that character, Naomi Wildman, was originally played by someone else. She was adorable, by the way, this little girl. Great job. She did a great job. But it's definitely not the actor that we know to yeah. uh, fill the role later after this episode. So he's checking <clears throat> her quarter for monsters. Mm -hmm. He's the only one that can put her to sleep. Um, by the way, I love seeing Ethan Phillips, who we've already said I, is one of my favorite humans in the world, but yeah. I love seeing him with a kid. It brings out something really wonderful in Neelix and in the actor that I think is grounding. It's it, in a weird way, it's sort of calming for yeah. Neelix. Like yeah. a kid is good for Neelix. Yeah. In the opening scene in the mess hall and also in Naomi Wildman's bedside, uh, Eric, any notes on the on the intro and the uh, second scene? Yeah, actually, I was going to ask, um, it's not like a one shot like West Wing, but the, the, the first scene is pretty, you know, at the very beginning, you see Chakotay in the background mm -hmm. and he times it over to walk over. And then as Harry is walking out, you see him throw a fruit in the air and catch it and walk out. I, I was just interested to see like, how that plays, do you know you're going to do a, a loop it at the end or how do you time it out? Because uh, maybe Robbie knows uh, through his directing or uh, just kind of give me a background well, on that. I would say it's interesting that you noticed that. And I would say um, that's uh, a result of Alan Craker, the director of this episode. He was notorious for these kind of continuous shots where he would, he loved not cutting and just doing coverage. He loves mm -hmm. staging shots where the camera sort of moves over here and catches a line. Then this actor moves over here that brings us to another actor. So he was very skilled and really good at 
staging scenes in this way where the shot would just continue through. Yeah. So us as actors, we didn't necessarily plan it out, but we were always game for working with Alan on these kinds of scenes and doing what he suggested. Or if he just said, hey, we want to keep this going. We knew how to wait for our opportunity to get up and throw a line in the background. And yeah, it was great. That was why it was fun working with Alan that direction. Yeah. There's a great rhythm to that scene, you know, and an ebb and flow. And Agreed. thank you, Eric. Thank you for bringing up the whole Harry picks up that piece of fruit. Because, you know, I was told to go grab fruit, but that was my little add-in where I toss it up and catch it like that. You know, I, yeah. I always try to do nice. a little something flourishy or not necessarily flourishy, but something that was a little bit different than norm, you know, not just go grab it and leave, but do something more character-based, you know, maybe Harry likes to do that thing where he flicks it up like that. The only other note I had if yeah. you might, is apparently, and I was reading, I think probably in the, uh, it's a memory alpha. Uh, this is the first episode where Naomi is named Naomi. It's. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh. Supposedly. So wow, I, I didn't check the previous episodes, but that's I know it's, uh, I would have assumed that we would have said that before, but wow, that's cool. Huh? I did not know that. I did not either. All right. Okay. We go into Naomi's quarters and uh, Neelix is checking for monsters. And I think one of the reasons Naomi has trouble sleeping is that terrifying llama rocking horse alien monster in her room like what did you call it rid of that thing it's a llama alien rocking horse monster what did you see that are you talking about her stuffed animal which looked like a headless stuffed animal uh, or no there's like no there's, there's a like, rocking horse you know what in i'm the talking corner? about eric there's like yeah, i actually wrote that down i go that's pretty scary yeah. i did not see that it's not very child friendly either no it's <laughs> not it's point it's like sharp ears it's, it's yeah get rid well, of that thing and she'll sleep fine <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to say she's half human and half Qatarian. So that rocking horse, as well as that stuffed animal, are clearly Qatarian children's okay. toys and rocking horses. All right, horses. whatever. It's That's giving her what nightmares. I'm I <laughs> Just get rid of that thing and Neelix fine. can relax. He fine. doesn't have to do this. But Neelix tells her all about the Great Forest, which is kind of like heaven, like where everybody's going to be happy mm. and you're going to see people that, that protect you in life. And so it's a very comforting story. I already wrote down, I feel like this is Johnny's best performance in the series already. Mm. I'm just going, wow, this is great. But by the way, I also wrote down, they never talked about this black fort. If this is so meaningful to him, mm. if this is the thing that has kept him going for the last 11 years, I wish we had talked about the great forest and this idea because it just becomes episodically the thing that is the story driver you just called it the black forest for a second instead of the great forest oh i did so, yeah so it's in germany somewhere yeah so clearly everyone everyone this is the talaxian uh heaven you know valhalla is in germany yes. it's the black forest okay okay uh, <laughs> eric did you have any thoughts on this scene no i mean i say the same thing i wrote what is that horse toy yeah <laughs> exactly he's already scary got is as, yeah whatever all right all right we go to cargo bay cargo bay seven is regenerating and neelix comes in he's he's looking for a cylinder to go to this uh, nebula and, and he's talking to the cylinder he's like here cylinder cylinder where'd you go it's <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest but cool i loved it it was fun yeah. but yeah. and then seven goes you are a peculiar creature neelix which i love that <laughs> and he 
responds, thanks, I think. And doesn't he say something witty, like, have a nice regeneration cycle or something, something like yeah, that? Something <laughs> it was like very that. funny. Yeah. It was a cute scene, but again, they're setting, setting up Neelix as this mm-hmm. lovable, you know, important person. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's a real connector on, the, on our ship. Mm-hmm. I loved Sevens when she talks about the Kazon and she says, the Kazon were unworthy of assimilation. Why assimilate a species that would detract from perfection? <laughs> Which I feel like was a shot at the writers going, the Kazon were a big mistake. Like, the, I think they've had a lot of shame about the Kazon for a few years. The writers. Yeah. It just did not work. That, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Um, Eric, did you have any uh, cargo bay thoughts? The Borg are apparently selective. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought they just took everybody, but they yeah, even, that's even the too. Borg rejected the Kazon. Nobody likes the Kazon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor Kazon. Poor Kazon. Okay. Uh, are we moving on to the shuttle scene? Is that right? Yeah. After the cargo so the next, thing that, the next thing that happens is the shuttle has a flyby in space, which I just made a note. It was a cool space shot. I loved mm-hmm. the nebula felt very three-dimensional and I love the mm-hmm. colors and just mm-hmm. look cool. And we go in the shuttle and Neelix and Paris are, are kind of arguing about pizza, which I loved. I, and I remembered this, by the way, as soon as the first line came up, I was like, I remember learning this line, this pizza thing. Like it, it brought yeah. back memories of that storyline, that runner of, of making pizza and trying to teach Neelix how to make pizza. That was fun. Now we're at the nebula and in the midst of transporting this proto matter into the cylinder, all of a sudden it starts igniting the gases in the nebula, I'm guessing. And, yeah, you know, that know. bolt of energy, I guess it goes right through the, through the, um, the shuttle, windshield or the windshield and goes right into Neelix and he's right thrown back. Face. Yes. But all I could, my notes here is that that cylinder to me was like a football. Like he's carrying the, like he was a running back or, or wide receiver and he got hit you so hard. Always turn defender. this into a football conversation. But just listen to me. Listen to me. Neelix okay. is an amazing football player because he gets knocked out. Yes. Not only does he get knocked out, he gets killed by the bolt of, of energy, but yet he still holds on to the rock. He's still yeah. holding on to that cylinder slash football when he falls down onto the ground. Right. By the way, That's- when when the double falls back, the double's head was turned to the left. But when they did the close-up on Neelix, it was turned this way so you could see the oh. makeup. And I was like, eh, continuity, continuity yeah. problem. So the stunt double had the head turned the different way. That oh, wait, yeah, the stunt right doubles there. always try to yeah. fall with their face away from camera, away from camera. so you don't mm-hmm. see them. Yep. But it probably wouldn't have mattered in this one because it's oh, makeup. It's but Neelix I will makeup. say this stunt double was was better than Pretty the good. stunt double that uh, the episode where Seven of Nine is assimilating Neelix and throws yes. him on the floor. That guy was 5'10", you know, whereas yeah. Ethan Phillips is 5'6", or whatever Heidi is, right? Yeah. So this stunt double was much closer to the actual dimensions of Johnny Ethan Phillips. Agreed. So I Agreed. Say, I, I, good job yeah. in casting, but bad in that continuity was a little ruined on that one. But he falls down and Paris runs over and says, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And I, that was shocking to me. And I was very happy with... Paris's performance, aka me, I was really happy in that with the way that I played that scene. I thought it was um, grounded and just it was good. I thought yep. it was very it was moving that moment. And I yep. made a note here: this is a really long teaser. Like usually, the scene before the credits is 
you know, a couple of minutes tops or something. Mm. I felt like we had been in a bunch of scenes for like 10 minutes before we ever got to our opening credits. Before the credits, yeah. Which is unusual, just an Mm. unusual detail. Yeah. Eric, any comments on the Neelix death scene? I feel Paris is angst. It was a good job. Excellent job. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Good job. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. I think I feel like uh, it it was effective, that emotionally effective, that yeah, when he was dead when he was dead, and the way that Paris, aka uh, you know me, in that scene, I felt I was proud of that. It felt good and grounded. I thought Beltran, Chicote, like that whole moment, okay, uh, played really authentically. I thought good. So, yeah, and then we go to credits. <laughs> And then we go to sick bay seven and the doctor and isn't isn't Janeway also in the very beginning here. Yes, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I you know, I, you're giving this a 10 out of 10. I, my biggest issue was how lightly Janeway took the death of Neelix. It just seemed really. And she was like, well, maybe we'll do the pricks and th-. I mean, it just it was really I, I don't feel that it, felt it was like connected. everybody gave up. Very quickly. It was very quickly. It was very trite. It was like, oh, he's dead. All right. Well, big deal. And that kind of bothered me. I was like, wait a minute. If he's such a family member, why isn't somebody crying right now? Why isn't somebody more devastated by this? The doctor said he had been dead for 18 hours, right? Yeah. So from wherever we were in that shuttle in the nebula, it took us 18 hours to, to come get back, back, to get analyzed, to analyze See, everything. That's that a little no bump for me. Yeah. Um, but I think it was their way of trying to say this didn't just happen a minute ago. It's been right. 18 hours. The doctor yeah. has tried everything. Yeah. You know, people do die on our ship. It's not like it's no, impossible. That's true. But it just, again, it seemed a little too. Yeah. It felt like light. in our story, we went right to acceptance. Yeah. It's like, okay, he's dead. You know, it, it's, usually it's... Janeway will fight harder for things yes, like this. And yeah. Definitely. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That bugged me. Okay. Well, we had to get to this other story. Yeah. So wouldn't that go 9.7? No. 10 because of that? I, I was all along for the ride. 18 <laughs> hours. You've tried for 18 hours. <laughs> oh, okay. And then uh, it's Seven who comes up with the miraculous uh, uh, decision to She use, can revive him. Yeah. yeah. She can revive him. That Clearly, this has happened in, in the Borg world where people have been revived up to 72 hours after yeah. their death. So um, drones have been reactivated. Drones, drones have been brought back to life. And everyone's shocked by this, especially the doctor, that he can't believe this is even possible. And that's well, when Janeway says, give it a shot. Why not? This bumped me a little, I guess, because the doctor yeah. seemed to be saying like, no, let's not try this. And I'm oh, like, yeah. dude, you've tried everything. Like, <laughs> you should be the one going, yes, let's keep trying every scientific thing. Like, why is he fighting seven right here? But it's basically like a blood transfusion with her nanoprobes, and that's going to bring him back. The nanoprobes are being used to uh, repair the, the necrotized tissue. That's, that's yeah. the whole point of using these nanoprobes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. I thought Janeway did bring up this idea that he may not be the same. Like, even if, you know, she kind of cautions everyone in the room, like, even if Neelix is revived, you know, he may not be the same, like, there may be issues. So I thought that mm-hmm. was a nice detail that she's, you know, she's aware of this. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eric, what did you, th- any thoughts on the uh, sick bay? Well, so I'm in the medical field for my profession. And I would say is every crew member probably should have a DNR order already. So, or oh. a DNR plus 18 hours after your yeah. dead order, right? So that it would have been, if you had a DNR order, that's it, we're done. That's and it. Just, that would have just, ended, 
Mulex in the episode. So Eric, <laughs> Eric, in layman's terms, explain what a DNR order is, oh, please. A do not resuscitate order. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, sometimes it's part of a living will, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes as as patients, we have those, so we know what to do. Right. Um, but obviously, I'm not thinking that. But I. It, it, yeah. other just in a practical manner but yeah but, uh, no, but you're right was... every every crew member would have had some medical record that has a dnr type statement whether do not resuscitate or yes resuscitate and so who Correct. knows what neelix is but uh, yeah. i'm glad they did <laughs> yeah. yes yes yeah. exactly we go to the surgery a little time passes and seven is running the show in this scene i wrote mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. um, I love the makeup on Neelix. I thought his death makeup looked really cool. It looked very authentic. Yeah, it was really well done. Eric agreed from the medical um, field. He looked pretty dead. Yeah, he looked dead. And basically, <laughs> I only had two notes in here. One was Seven is running the show and it mm. works. And um, my immediate thought is, why didn't we just make Seven the doctor? Like, if it's <laughs> good, what the... Uh, sorry, Picardo, your program is deleted. We got seven now. She can bring people back. So what are you trying, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that I, I'm going to be the nurse from now on? I was okay, like, fine. she's, she's running the show. She just revived a dead guy. Like, yeah. how much more do you have to do to get the job? Uh, but, but yeah, we still have the doctor. I'm glad wow. we did. Picardo. So, the, so then it would be seven would be the doctor. The doctor would be nurse number one. And you, exactly. would, be, you would be nurse number two. So I could retire two from nursing, which I would be fine with me. <laughs> um, I did think she was kind of cocky at the end. She sort of had like a, like yeah, that, you know what? I wrote, me of Picardo. The doctor, I like, yes. Is I wrote this what the same every note. Star Trek doctor I, does? They're like, I wrote the same note. She, after performing her, her medical procedures, she was so, she had that same smug doctor reaction. Yes, you know, like, like, hmm, this is I'm, what happens when you're a I'm the best. Doctor. Yes, I'm the best. I'm seven of nine and I'm speaking like the doctor. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, she did the little hmm at the end. Yeah. So I wrote the same thing. Eric, okay. any thoughts on uh, this procedure and, and the authenticity of it? or since you're in the medical Borg, te Borg technology is awesome. It's awesome, right? <laughs> exactly. Do a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. So uh, another time passage and Neelix hears that he was dead and he's, mm -hmm. he says, I'm stunned. I'm amazed. Grateful, he says. Mm -hmm. You can see that he's got a lot of fear about these nanoprobes as soon as he hears that. I wasn't sure story-wise what he was playing, but clearly Johnny Phillips was playing sort of this shock and, and stunned kind of feeling as he woke mm -hmm. up and was hearing what was going on. Yeah. But I love that how that set up when he finally has a private moment, you realize it wasn't there. The force wasn't there. Like that's yeah. what he's already playing. This he's already year, playing that now. Yeah. Which I thought was really great. We have the scene in the corridor with Neelix and Janeway. Yeah. Doing the walk and talk. Um, he brings up Prixen and she's, well, she's trying to tell him, just take it easy. You know? Yeah. And he's just like, I want to go easy. back to work. And we got Prixen yeah. on Thursday. And yeah. And then he goes in his quarters mm -hmm. and he talks about Alexia. Yeah. And he's he, looking at the sculpture of the guiding tree. The right? tree, and, which we've mm -hmm. never seen before. That no, we have not seen. This before. is what I mean. Like if yeah. we had seen him in his quarters meditating to this tree or something ever, I would be like, oh, I get it. But it just sort of appears like yeah. most, the most important thing in his life that gives him hope for the future is this thing that we've never seen. Yeah, but, that uh, little model of that guiding tree, it, it almost reminded me of some of the Hindu type of statues that you see. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just making that note. But his line is, 
Alexia, Alexia, why weren't you there? And now we know. Now we know. This is this is what's really weighing on his mind. Like this is his whole life. Yeah. All his all his beliefs are based on this belief of Talaxian afterlife. Going to the great forest, the guiding tree guides you to the point where the gathering happens. The gathering is all of your passed away relatives. They're all going to be there to greet you. And, you know, not unlike human thoughts about the afterlife, we talk mm -hmm. about the white tunnel, the uh, tunnel of light, all the dead relatives, you know, welcoming you into the afterlife mm -hmm. and similar with the Talaxian uh, beliefs. And he's really going through a moment here, you know, yes, in the realization that nothing happened. Very profound, yes. We go to the corridor again, and now Seven and Tuvok have a question, uh, have a That's conversation right. about death. They talk about death, and and Seven says, "Well, you know, the Borg have never been afraid of death. Um, the Borgs you know, usually, even if some, even if a drone is retired, or you know, uh, if a drone cannot be reactivated, the thoughts and the memories of that drone are always with the conscious." the consciousness of the Borg. So it's immortal. All Borg are immortal in that right. So she's never had that fear of death. And Tuvok now says, well, but now you're mortal, you know? And she replies, well, my memories and consciousness are still within the Borg collective. So mm -hmm. even if I pass away, if my physical body passes, my, my, I will still continue to, um, to live in a way in my memories and my thoughts in the Borg collective. So that was a nice conversation between the two of them. And again, another great scene with Seven and Tuvok. Um, you know, I love this scene. It's the, To me, the most important part of this scene was at the very end. So mm -hmm. all of what you described happened. They had this yep. conversation. Yep. Seven saying, I'm cool. I'm good because yeah. I'm, I'm immortal. I'm part of yeah. this collective. And he says, well, but you're mortal now. And she's like, no, but I'm still part of that. And he goes, mm -hmm. wow, well, then that must be a great relief to you. And her very last line in that close-up when she goes, Yes, it is. But you can see she's thinking a too. real human experience of yeah. the acknowledgement of mortality. Yeah. Which yeah. again, 10 yeah. out of 10 in this episode, I had never seen a moment like that from Jerry Ryan on our mm -hmm. show. And it was just that last mm -hmm. moment yeah. that to me was really cool. Really yeah. cool. Eric, any thoughts on Neelix's quarters or the corridor scene with Seven and Tuba? Uh, I just nope. uh, I understand why uh, Robbie likes it. These are scenes that are uh, the their additive is exponential. Uh, does mm -hmm. that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> you know, uh, because it really that's a pretty moving scene. If you look, I at agree. It, honestly, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I thought the scene with Tuvok and, and Seven, I I connected in a human way to her character in a way I have not since she mm -hmm. came on the show. Mm -hmm. That I really you know, as, as big and flashy as the flashbacks of her childhood and all that, I wasn't moved or connected until this scene where I was like, oh, I, I can relate to like mortality and life and death. And here's somebody kind of showing me a different point of view on it in a, in a cool sci-fi way. And I just thought it was great. 10 out of you know, 10, 10 out of 10. You know, my Bam. other, you know, my other revelation right now, not yep. only is Johnny Ethan Phillips, someone who you, who, who you admire and you is a good friend, but the other reason why you're 10 out of 10 is because 
Georgia is number one. I think you're in such a good mood. You were just giving out extra numbers. You're like, hey, hey I'm going to throw in a 10 <laughs> out of 10. Everybody wins. You, you get a car. You, you get a car. You've become wins. Oprah. You have become Oprah right now. You're throwing out numbers and great <laughs> reviews left and right because Georgia is unanimously <laughs> voted as number one right now. Okay. All right. Let's move it's, on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we go to engineering. Paris, Chicote, and Torres are talking about analyzing what happened in this accident. And Chicote says he's created a, a simulation on the holodeck. And Torres also says that she's adjusted the, the uh, transporter beam so that it will not ignite the protomatter again. That's the other point. That's right. right here. Yeah. Neelix says he'd love to to watch and mm -hmm. and see what happened because he doesn't yeah. remember. He doesn't really remember what happened. Right. Right. So basically, he goes into a simulation of the shuttle. The mm -hmm. moment where this nebula sent out a lightning bolt and killed him, and he watches his own death. This is so freaky. That I, this is the this is the one point where I was thinking, oh my gosh, to imagine, to to think about the fact that that you possibly can watch your own death in a simulation. Like how? I, yeah. I, I just that's such a it's truly an out of body experience when you're watching your own death. I, yeah. I this is the one thing that I was like, wow. This is yeah. the wow moment for me in this, this episode. Dude, this, this is a great episode. episode. Like, this is what a great sci-fi conceit mm. to use science fiction yeah. to explore a human mortal yeah. experience. That that's yep. to me what when our show is the best. Yeah. When it hits these moments like this, where you can kind of put yourself in there and go, whoa, mm. what if like this is a sci-fi version of that fantasy of mm. of of you know, kind of watching as you said like there's a lot of people have talked about these near-death experiences where they were out of body and watching seeing themselves from above here's mm -hmm. the sci-fi version saying hey maybe we can do this someday maybe yeah. we can simulate these moments yep. Yep. to where we can watch like mm -hmm. mind-blowing anyway yeah. yeah so neelix sees this and i thought it was really well done by craker again the freeze frames the splits all the way the ways that he created that reality of being in this three-dimensional simulation mm -hmm. in a way I thought was was great. Agreed. And e Ethan's performance in here was was great. I thought it's a scene about his whole belief system being destroyed. Like this yeah. is now where he sees this is what happened. I died. I really died. There's no, yeah. like my belief system didn't kick in. That, there was no forest. There was no. Elixir. My belief system has been a myth for my entire life. The yeah. great forest is a myth. There is no guiding tree. There is no gathering of ancestors. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens when a Talaxian dies. Yeah. And this is huge, you know, to have to deal with this. And Chicote says something. There's a great line. He says, death is still the greatest mystery there is. I mm -hmm. love that line. That was yeah. so yeah. relatable again. Um, yeah. And how people have these, the, their deepest, most comforting beliefs Mm -hmm. um are so important to people you know that's that's relatable we all have whatever those beliefs are and so to see neelix going through a story where he has to face the fact that his deepest most comforting beliefs in his existence are a lie they're a right that's that's huge great, yeah. great eric great, great. eric any words yeah i had uh, two comments on this number one i would have been oh it's a little bit too soon for you to see that after you had just uh, pass away and yes. come back. That's my, <laughs> yes. my first yeah. thought. And my second thought is uh, Chicote made a line. He said, maybe we pulled you back before any of that could happen. Cause you know, he had not seen uh, yeah. his friends. The guy I was thinking about the princess bride. Remember when um, Wes Wesley's, 
dead. And then yeah. Billy Crystal's like, you're mostly dead versus all dead. Yes. That's what I was thinking. We that little, little period there. Yeah, but um, exactly. yeah, it, it's trying to bring some comedy to quite a serious subject. But yeah. I was thinking in my head, oh, wait, maybe there's a there's a 24-hour waiting period. Who knows? You know, yeah, right. you didn't yeah, get exactly. it. So. Yeah. So. Nice. Nice observations. We like that. All right. So now we jump to the mess hall and we are now having it's a celebration. Prixis. Ooh, ooh, Prixis you call time. It? It's Prixin, Robbie. Not oh. Prixis. See, we never celebrated it. So I don't even know what it's called. Prixin. Ooh, ooh, Prixis. Ooh, Prixis. Yes. Everyone hands in the Prius. air for Prixin. Yeah, Prius. <laughs> I don't know. It's Paxis. Okay. Okay. It's Prixin. Celebration Prixin. The first night of Prixin. All right, Prixin. And Paris gets everyone's attention with the old 20th ding, 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 century ding, ding. glass and spoon ding ding. Did it a long time. That was a yeah. lot of ding dings. You dinged it. I did. You were dinging I, it. By the way, the casual clothes on everybody looked great. I thought Janeway looked great. Mm -hmm. I, I thought everybody looked great. I love what uh what our wardrobe department. Tuvok was so colorful. He was so was colorful. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love his speech when he starts reading the the speech that <laughs> Neelix has written for him to read. Yeah, he says, you know, uh, the, our father, our mother, our sister, brother, father's father, father. father's mother, <laughs> mother's father, sister's brother, fa father. Was, hey, the you the reactions yeah, were great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, Chakotay checks on Neelix to see how he's doing. Mm -hmm. Janeway advises Seven on how to be social, which is another really funny scene. Uh, right after that moment, she walks over to a conversation between the she doctor. Says, she and says, Samantha. go chime. Yeah, just go stand yeah, just with people stand and in. listen and then chime in. And she's like, yeah. chime in? <laughs> yes, join the discussion, which I thought was funny. Yes, and it was so awkward when she joined in. I loved it. A good yeah, she, moment. She joined in and she said, they're talking about Naomi Wildman growing up so fast. And Seven goes, yes. Children assimilated by the Borg are placed in maturation chambers for 17 cycles. <laughs> and Samantha, and Samantha Wildman, I'm going like, to go talk yeah. to someone else. See ya. Yeah, that was funny. I loved it. I think it was pretty cool. One of the few scenes you guys had with the casual clothes, right? Non uniform yeah. clothes, gotten together. Mm -hmm. um, I've made a note. I'm like, I'm not sure teal, blue, and purple is Tuvok's color. But, <laughs> but um, I, I do think there was comedy there, you know, with the, the, yeah. the glass yeah. and spoon and yeah. then him uh, cutting short his speech. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I mentioned uh, was that I thought I saw a little slow-mo, you know, in, in I remember was slow -mo. Robbie yeah. had said that you guys didn't use slow-mo that much in one of That's the previous right. episodes. Where do we like, use oh. it here? Uh, in this in this scene. Oh, um, I, I must have missed it. I don't yeah, know how I some, missed that. There's it's some... when you, you throw it back to Neelix after saying we, we almost lost a crew member. Oh, that's right. That's right. Slow. So it, and it was a yeah. little clapping and stuff. Yeah. And so that's like, right. Hey, that's back. right. Yeah, we didn't use it often. It was not yeah. a, a common thing to do. And that that was I will I will guess that was always the director making that call. It was not scripted that, you know, we go into slow motion. I I right. I can't imagine it was ever scripted. So mm -hmm. Alan loved Alan Craker's director, and I'm sure that was his call on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, 10 great, out of 10. 10 great scene. Great scene. Good scene. Great blocking, moving from one, you know, one yep. uh, conversation to another. Everything flowed very well. Um, we moved to Wildman's quarters, mm -hmm. and Neelix is helping tuck Naomi in. This is where I wrote the note. What kind of stuffed animal? is that and not until the very final final scene of this episode do i see that this stuffed animal does have a head because it looked like it was a headless stuffed animal but clearly it yeah is it was not. it was it a was weird just, 
yeah it looked like a ghillie suit do you know the ghillie suits that where where hunters or whatever will wear those things yeah yeah make them look like a bush Mm. it was like a ghillie ghillie suit a ghillie suit stuffed animal yeah that's what it looked like (laughs) yeah and the llama rocking horse alien toy just terrifying like get rid of that i have to go back and see that i didn't i didn't even notice that thing i I guess i was too busy writing notes when i passed by it it's right next to the bed it's right right there in the next to your bed like you can't miss it okay watch it again you'll see it oh well it's like a purple and red and i don't know it's yeah it's scary all right go to the mess hall from here and uh, seven comes in to uh just scan neelix before the uh next nanoprobe injection (laughs) i wrote down i love when she he goes okay and he comes from behind the counter and he holds his hands up like this it's like <laughs> what we've never yeah. scanned hey, we don't hey guys you know that helps the scan right you've got to lift like, your hands what? up so the scan can get around your limbs she doesn't ask blocking him to do it. it we've never done it before but neelix i guess he's got to hold his hands up in the air to get scanned it was it was funny but i did write so in this scene a couple of things he starts panicking he's really furious about being brought back to life Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like he's living his life anymore Mm -hmm. he's yelling at her yeah and he knocks the tricorder the medical tricorder out of her hand real hard Mm -hmm. it hits the ground and i all i could think of was she goes and picks it up and it's working at the end of the scene Mm -hmm. why did every tricorder i dropped (laughs) on the show break (laughs) but somehow he can smash this thing and she picks it up and the lights come right on and it's working. Because I probably broke three or four at least tricorders with just goofing off. So that was my big note. Yeah, because you're bad luck, Chuck, when it comes to holding tricorders. I Every guess time I would... you drop one, it breaks. That's right. It just it's happens. Probably, it's probably all my time in the gym, you know, just working <laughs> out. Probably just, you know, muscles, strength, basically. <laughs> Aside from the tricorder not breaking yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. it should have when he mm-hmm. knocked it over, yep. he basically is like having a heart. It seemed like he was playing sort of like a heart attack situation at the end there. Yeah. But his cells were reverting. They were rejecting the nanoprobes, we find out. Because he starts to have convulsions, right? So yeah, he's he, having convulsions. His cells are reverting to a he's sort of grabbing. State. He was grabbing yeah. his heart. That's why I was like, yeah. uh-oh, he's having a heart attack. But then we go to sick bay. Mm-hmm. They've stabilized him. The cells are rejecting the nanoprobes. Yeah. The doctor says he may need maintenance, like he may need the rest of his life to, mm-hmm. you know, have maintenance on this. And Neelix, uh, Chakotay's there. Neelix asked Chakotay for some advice. He says, I think your people have a tradition or some way of um, looking inside or a vision quest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He wants to do that. And uh, it, so this is like an ayahuasca ceremony or a peyote medicine is what he's describing. Yeah. Um, I wrote down, this seems like an insane time to do an ayahuasca. Like, oh, you just died and yeah. your cells are rejecting the nanopro yeah. and like nothing's calm in your life. And yeah, you're going to go do an ayahuasca ceremony. Right. Yeah, that makes the, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little dangerous. It, it, yeah. it seems like there needs to be more time for him to recover, really, before yeah. he does this. Chakotay um, should lose his vision quest card on this. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> Well, I mean, he should have also lost his commander card by allowing him to, to be part of that 
holodeck simulation so quickly to, to see his own yeah. death it's like come yeah, on Chicote man has made a yeah. bunch of mistakes here i, I feel like he, yeah he could have been a little bit more cautious with neelix so now we're in neelix's quarter uh and then i love how you hear that quick pan flute sound that probably makes robbie cringe whenever he hears it <laughs> and uh chicote asked neelix to put his hand on the akuna which always makes me think of hakuna matata but no the akuna and the vision quest begins and boy, what a vision quest it is. He is seeing yeah. images that really are not good images. They're, they're kind of scary, right? They're frightening. He sees Janeway. He sees everybody in the mess hall. And he sees Janeway talking to his sister, his mm -hmm. passed away dead sister. Uh, and he rushes he's over very to talk happy. to her. He's happy in the beginning. He's happy because yeah. this is like the forest that he, yep. you know, that his beliefs were about. Yep. I'm going to see people that have died. So he thinks he's seeing his sister. And, but mm -hmm. she... As he tries to make it through the crowd, all of a mm -hmm. sudden she's gone, and yep. and uh, he looks back, and there's she's heading out the door of the mess yep. hall. So he turns around and runs the other way, and uh, this is where Harry says as Neelix passes, "It's pointless." Uh, oh no, I say po uh, potent stuff. Potent yeah. stuff. Potent stuff. Potent <laughs> in the, stuff. In the Tom yeah. Harris reading. Yeah, yeah. this was that, your but, Tom Harris moment. But before my potent stuff. This is when Seven says to Neelix, you will be assimilated. And he goes, no time for that now, maybe later. <laughs> like, yes. Which was hilarious. So yeah, there was all even, these weird, it was like a Twilight Zone moment for him. But it's and, needed, these little tiny little lines yeah. that, are there, that are comedic levity. You mm -hmm. need that in, a, in, in subject matter that is Agreed. so serious that this, this episode tackles. It's so deep and dark yep. and just uh, overwhelming. Every little bit of comedy that you can squeeze in there is yeah. appreciated by yeah. the audience. Agreed. Okay. Um, so potent stuff. Yes. Uh, I love that. <laughs> yes. It was funny. We go to the forest. Yeah. He's uh, going through this forest and she says uh, that everything was a lie. And then she starts talking like Naomi, Alicia, yes. his sister. And I wrote down, this was really creepy and scary to me. Like, when, mm -hmm. when the sister's going around, when Alexia is going around the tree, talking to Neelix and telling him it was all a lie, like the, mm -hmm. the forest and all of this, uh, your beliefs were a lie. And then all of a sudden it can become the baby talking. <laughs> like, ah! And then she crumbles into ash and I'm like, ah, like it's, it was creepy, scary. Whew. Robbie, and, I think you should do some voiceovers. Look at that. See, uh, look at that. You have a whole new career. Yes. Um, do, you, do either of you remember seeing Alexia in a prior episode of Voyager no. before this? No. I feel I, like the I episode- I vaguely when, remember even one mention. I feel like when he was talking about his planet in some earlier episode, he did mention he's mentioned his her, sister, but, but didn't it show, but Robbie and yeah. Eric, didn't it show her in the episode where the scientist that created the, the cascade bomb that took out um, the Talaxian outpost and everything. Yeah. Didn't they show her in that episode? I don't remember. No? I don't think so. Okay. I, think just I, talked I can't about remember. It. Okay. All right. Just See, spoke thank of you, her. Eric. It's not spoke easy to remember this stuff. It was, you're doing God's work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric. It's true. Um, I just have one thing to say about this episode. It's potent stuff. <laughs> I also made a note here that after Elixia die, I think it's after, yeah. he's running through the, he starts to run, the forest changes suddenly. It goes from mm -hmm. like the blue that was sort of the dreamy blue 
and then she dies and then he looks around and it turns black and scary yeah, it's very dark yeah. and i made a note that that kind of light change on a set like this is mm-hmm. very difficult mm-hmm. because you've got to light it you know this is not like a, a stage play a broadway play where we have weeks to set lights and have dimmer boards and like mm-hmm. you know it's not theatrical in that way we're a film set so every time you build in a lighting change, you have to rig the lights, you have to wire. So they basically had to light two entire looks for this big forest. And then yeah. they had to switch it on cue. So yeah. I just wrote great directing in the sequence and Marvin Rush and Billy Peets, our gaffer on the show, did an awesome job of, of this shift of light and tech, the, the technical aspects I thought were really well done. I had two comments and a question. One was that, it was good to see of the three items he chose. One was Kess's item. So like, yeah, the flower. She's yeah. still valuable yeah. with Elixia. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The second one was, I, I w- that was Chicote's quarters. And I saw a ship. I think the art piece was a ship behind me. I was wondering what ship that was. Oh, I don't wow. know that any of us will ever know that, but hmm. I don't know if that was his prior ship that he served on, but you know. Oh, was interesting. Interesting. That's on the that. wall? Where is that, Eric? Yeah, is it a it, model? Is it it's, like, a, or... it's a circular plate or... Okay. And there, there is a shit there. Oh, and uh, huh. I, I just caught my eye. I just was wondering okay. um, if anybody would ever know that, that'd be great to, to just as a trivia. And the mm-hmm. last thing would be that great forest, I, presumptively, that was done on a stage. Yeah, it was done yeah. on stage seven, 16. Yeah. yeah. It was the big, big stage where our, where our caves were. We would build a lot of uh, swing sets there for different. 16. 16. Yeah. Stage mm-hmm. 16 at Paramount. Mm hmm. Yeah, that forest, and we and we and we had recycled some forest looks before. So, um, but it wasn't just the the construction of this forest on stage; it was the way it was lit and photographed. Again, Alan Craker, Marvin Rush, uh, Billy Peets, our gaffer, the entire you know lighting department and stuff. I thought mm-hmm. they did an awesome job of that. Yeah, agreed. Great. Uh, we're in Astrometrics, and Neelix arrives to locate seven and he apologizes for his outburst and flip out that he had in mess hall and he also says goodbye which Mm -hmm. now we start getting you know an idea of what's going to happen next which is uh he's going to take his own life and we jump to mess hall yeah this is very sad to me this is very sad and i see you know as the story got into this part of the story i see why they had rewritten this this story mm-hmm. idea a few times because dealing dealing with this subject matter of mm-hmm. dealing with death in general is just you know triggering for a lot of people and then definitely to deal with the the idea of of a character taking his own life or as mm-hmm. um is can be triggering so yeah very much so it was, it was a tough story to write but I think they did a really well a, a really good job of it yeah so in mess hall Chicote approaches Neelix and says, hey, you skipped our meeting. We're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to have follow-up meetings after you have your vision quest because you need time. You need to take the time to be able to analyze all the images that you have seen on the vision quest. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that you can just, because the first things that you see, they can be, they can be construed as negative as something that's a negative thing or a bad mm-hmm. thing, but the more time you allow it to settle in your in your brain and and and, and process see it, it a different way. see it a different light exactly yeah, yeah you can't see it from is... a different light until you give more time right yeah. you can only you only see one side of the coin only one side 
when yeah. you initially react to the vision quest, but yeah. the longer time you have, that is what you need, right? And um, Neelix says, sure, sure, I'll be, I'll be there, I'll meet you Let me later. just finish cleaning. Yeah. Let me finish and, doing this. And Chakotay leaves and we have this really sad and sweet moment where he kind of cleans up the mess hall, looks around and then says, computer yeah. lights out. Yeah, which we've never seen that. We've never seen him turn yeah. all the lights off to Astromech. So it's almost uh, an analogy to what was going to happen with his own life, yeah. just turning out his own light, right? We, we go um, to his quarters and he's leaving messages for everyone on his computer saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. And he says, and and again, I'm just, I'm along for the ride here. I was just, it was so sad to me. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he says, deliver in one hour. It feels like this, this, uh, the momentum of the story at this point is just kind of inevitably heading towards this tragic conclusion. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, a testament to the writing and the directing and performances because it does feel that's the best version of a story is you feel like the outcome is inevitable mm -hmm. and yet you know it can't be. There's got to be something it's gotta that's going to change. Mm -hmm. That's the best storytelling is when mm -hmm. we feel like it's inevitable that Voyager's going to be destroyed or whatever. It's inevitable mm -hmm. and you're along for the ride and then something happens yeah. that's a game changer and that's what's about to happen. So he goes yeah. to he goes to transporter room uh, he's trying to beam himself into the nebula where he thinks mm -hmm. he should have died. And uh, they detect this on the bridge. They try to shut it down, but he's overridden uh, the controls. And so... Uh, well, no, he's blocked mm -hmm. by Harry. Thank you. So his but initial first, beam out first is blocked out. first he says that they're right. blocked out. And then Harry... Yes. And then yeah. Harry... And then Chakotay shows up in the transporter room yeah. and says, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I have a... You know, don't step any closer. I have a site to site transport set up that you cannot override. So that is the, you know, that's the mm -hmm. ace in the hole for mm -hmm. uh, Neelix at that point. Yeah. And yeah. he says that uh, there's no point in living anymore. He says mm -hmm. 11 years he saw that everything was destroyed. And this was the thing that comforted him was knowing that he was going to see his family and see his sister. And, uh, and now there's no point in living. Right. Um, he knows that that hope that he had was not real. Mm -hmm. and very sad moment and then wildman called. this is when i started crying and, mm -hmm. then, and then samantha wildman calls and says neelix come in please neelix, neelix. naomi no. needs you to go to sleep that's where i was just like oh come on guys <laughs> <laughs> like really you bring a kid into this and then that, that's 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 my kryptonite like you start bringing kids stories in and i'm just like oh Wildman now shows up in person because she said she had to use the computer to and locate. she doesn't know. Yeah, and she again, has no clue what's going um, on. Yeah, which is just like, oh perfectly, yeah, perfectly built because you're mm. just like the points of view in the room of yeah, you know, Samantha Wildman who just loves Neelix and doesn't know right. any of what's no. going on in this moment. She's so oblivious, and that juxtaposition of that innocence of of Samantha Wildman yeah. with the with the foreboding uh, possibility of Neelix beaming himself into the nebula, it's just you can cut it with a knife. It's just it's it's a great scene, really good scene. Yeah. Um, she says and, that little girl needs you. Yeah. She thinks there's monsters in the replicator. Who else mm -hmm. can handle that? Right. And yeah. Very, very sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Final scene is uh, Neelix bedside with, uh, well, not the final scene, one of the final scenes, uh, next to last. Uh, Naomi bed, excuse me, Naomi Wildman's bedside. Uh, Did a monster get you is what she asked Neelix. And he says, well, sort of, I, I chased him away. Mm -hmm. And that was wonderful because he's able to chase away that the darkness that was in his head, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the very final scene we see, 
young Naomi Wildman sitting by the guiding tree, right? He's, she's sitting at the base of the guiding tree, holding her little stuffed animal. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure what you guys got out of that final scene. It's an what interesting it final image because it's yeah. not, it, it can be interpreted, I think, a million ways, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is her okay. dream and this is comforting to her that she's sort of adopted the comfort, right. the story that he's passed on. Of yeah. So that's her dream image then, basically. She just I, fell asleep. Like he, well, you know what it is? It's it shows that he he performed his duty. His duty was to put her to sleep, right? And she did. She fell asleep and her last image is of that guiding tree sitting there. Could be that, it's, could yeah. be just, I don't know. It's But I, I liked it. You know, after the end, then you're left with thinking about Neelix and, you know, what is he left with? How is he going to function, you mm. know, in terms of, I mean, if you have your, your belief system just yeah. destroyed, how mm. do you live with yourself? And of course- you know, he get, felt a little bit better after the transporter scene, but mm -hmm. you know, that's that, you know, that'd be an interesting to follow that a little bit yeah. in a more serialized yeah. fashion because that, yeah. that changes a person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So here's the question for both Robbie and Eric. What did is I mention your underlying I give, lesson? Did I mention yeah. I give this a 10 out of 10? Yes, you <laughs> did. So okay. What is your underlying theme slash lesson? To be I'll jump. I'll jump in. Episode. I have I have a couple, but I probably could have even gone with more themes. Go. I think uh, one of the themes is changing your perspective on a deeply held belief is very, very hard. Mm -hmm. That's one lesson I got mm -hmm. from this. Uh, the other, another lesson I got is the true meaning of being alive is living in the present, the now, not mm -hmm. in the future and not in the past. He's mm -hmm. he he feels alive when he's talking to little mm -hmm. Naomi Wildman and that's in the now that's what's mm -hmm. really happening that's life not yeah. his not his story about the future not the stories about 11 years ago and what happened mm -hmm. but truly being alive is when he's with this little girl and and doing his thing you know so okay. anyway yeah, good that's mine Eric what do you think lesson I, I had two things probably not as spiritual but I think one thing is everybody contributes in their own way and mm -hmm. everybody is valuable in their own way so mm -hmm. I know that historically, I guess in the fandom, Neelix was probably not one of the most popular characters, but yeah. I think with your rewatch and, and following along, you know, not only him, but Kess, they were yeah. pretty, pretty strong yeah. characters. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's something uh, not just for Star Trek, but for life. And then another yeah. one I, I, I've just kind of always learned is that almost nothing in life ever goes as planned or envisioned. <laughs> and that also leads you dealing with something unexpected. So mm -hmm. um not so deep spiritually, but that's just no. a practicality yeah. of life. So but, yeah. it's true. That's very true. Yeah. So many lessons in this. I, I felt like, yeah. what did you get here, Garrett? Uh, for me, it just no matter how dark it can get, there is always light at the end of a tunnel. Give it a little bit of time and try to look for the flip side of the coin. Try to understand that because as human beings, we get so locked into one, one view, one. And this kind of ties into yours, Robbie. It is difficult to change, to flip your mindset, but it can be done. It, it can, can be, be done. done, right? Yeah. When you mentioned the idea of a light at the end of the tunnel, it reminds me of the phrase, this too shall pass. Yeah, this too shall pass. Yeah. And I heard a great story about the history of that phrase. A lot of people attribute it to a religious you know christian this too shall pass mm -hmm. is uh is a biblical there is a biblical reference to that mm -hmm. but it was that phrase and that concept goes back far beyond christianity mm. um there was greek uh concepts of this idea that that the idea being that everything is temporary the yeah. good the bad like 
enjoy it in this moment, the good, mm -hmm. and be comforted that the bad will pass because all of it passes. Yeah, that's the reality of being a alive. That's the reality yeah. of time and reality is everything yeah. passes. Yeah. So when you when you say light at the end of the tunnel, that's mm -hmm. that 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 phrase always comes to mind. Okay. Another thing I, I always like to say is that it, it, life is just a, a collection of peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. There's going to be high points in your life and there's yeah. going to be very, very low points in, in, in your life. And this is everyone's life. Nobody lives a life of all peaks and nobody lives a life of all valleys, right? Yeah. It's, it's a peak in a valley and a peak in a valley, maybe a few valleys in a row and then a peak comes up again. But, you know, just, just trust yeah. that things will flip. For, for, for you, if you give it time, if you don't yeah. give it time and don't giving it time is, is making, you know, the, the decision that is that thank God Neelix didn't go through with. And right? thank God there was somebody there and people, multiple people there for Neelix mm -hmm. to help him yeah. pause for a moment and, yeah. and think about it. Yeah. Chakotay showing up and Definitely. Samantha Wildman walking in, you know, these things that happened in that moment that could mm -hmm. have, could have, uh, yeah, gone differently. So yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, awesome. first of all, I, Robbie, um, I think both you and I agree. We're thankful to have uh, Mr. Eric Cow with us uh, hosting. Thanks, with us. Eric. I yes, think you did a great job, my friend. Um, my Asian American brother from another mother. I'm really happy that you were here with us. Absolutely, and joining Agreed. us and giving giving us your two cents on the episode "Mortal Coil." I want to thank Eric's <laughs> wife for yes. her poetry. <laughs> and uh, was it Liz? Yes, Liz. yes, Liz, who did the limericks. I want to thank those guys for stepping up in yes. the poetry side of our, our podcast here. Eric, I think you should start calling her Limerick Liz from now on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'll let this her is know. the way to go. There you go. Thank you. It's been a it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. I, I just am so happy to meet you. And uh if anybody's not a Patreon, uh, I, I'll just tell my quick story. I was hesitant because I'm busy and I'm like, oh, I won't have sure. time, you know, but you know what? It's completely worth it. So please, if anybody is watching, hearing this, please join. It's, it's wonderful. Delta Flyers is incredible. I was going to say, Eric, like, thank you for that. We didn't ask you for any endorsement or whatever. Like yeah. I just, it's coming from your heart. Yeah, but, it is, uh, really is. <laughs> but I think that I've been really, um, I'm really grateful for the sense of family and community that we've created with the Delta Flyers. Um, in every way, like the people that are commenting on our podcast, the Patreon community is, is super strong. And mm -hmm. we've got our discord group. That's, 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 they've developed like really deep friendships now and relationships mm -hmm. that are awesome. And, uh, and just being able to revisit this show after so many years has, uh, has been a real reminder of how lucky I was to be a part of oh, yeah. the show and the fan <clears throat> community. So I appreciate your words too. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. it's I just awesome. don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know what's going to happen. When I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're sort of, we're, but we're like halfway. Join us next week, everybody, when we review waking moments, waking moments. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material.